Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, a show where we take all the latest news, gossip and events and relay that back to you for a bit of healthy banter and discussion for your listening and viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you choose to follow us on. And it was an incredible race, Corny, an absolute classic that we have just seen. The Imola Grand Prix certainly delivered in abundance where the Bahrain Grand Prix left off. And of course, this time it was Max Verstappen that got the Grand Prix win but that only tells a very small fraction of the race itself and how we ended up coming to that. And in all honesty, that was probably the smallest headline of all the possible headlines that we could have got from that race. But first of all, of course, Courtney Pine joining me in his Mercedes jersey. Courtney, first of all, how are you? And if you can sum up that race in a word or a few words, what would you go for? Uh, First of all, I want to call you out briefly. Right, I promise I was going to do this. So, you're going to confess to it, Adam? I'll do it, right? Basically, I watched the race live. But no, Adam didn't. Instead of watching the race live, he chose to watch a dead rubber game between Arsenal and Fulham, which was a one-all. Be honest, Adam, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you regret not watching the race live properly? I know you caught up, but you Um, missed out on the live action. Well... I've got Sky, so I I could record it. And that's what I did. So if anything, I didn't check what was going on. I didn't check anything in the race. I didn't have social media. I had my internet turned off. So I wasn't going to be updated at all. So it might as well have been live as far as my perspective went. Um, So no, I don't regret doing that in particular because I knew I should be okay. I do regret, however, deciding to watch Arsenal because that was literally an hour and a half of my life. I'll never get back. Frustrating as it is. European Super League guy. Oh, well, we're not even going to get into that discussion. That's a bit of a joke. I mean, that's a joke in its own right. But anyway, as, as I said, back to you, Courtney, on this one. Um, how can we sum up that Imola Grand Prix? Frantic is probably the best way to sum it up. Um, obviously, the weather conditions, whenever it rains, whenever you have changeable conditions on the track, you know you're always in for a classic. But the drivers uh, seem to uh, play their part. And as we go into the episode... I'm sensing that the politics between particular drivers is starting to come into play and it really is becoming exciting. It is a little bit actually. And um, you always get to certain points of the season where sort of driver politics or team politics sort of of take shape, if you like. Um, But never so early as this for all the right reasons, I suppose. But I suppose the way this season is going, what, we effectively have in terms of a championship could create opportunities here where every single race is going to count for so many different reasons so up and down the paddock you literally cannot afford to lose an opportunity especially today and I think 
the best way where we can do that is to get straight into it, Courtney. Now, as we've already said, Max Verstappen won the Imola Grand Prix today. He bounced back after failing to capitalise on the pace of the Red Bull in Bahrain. A lot of it probably owing to the team strategy Red Bull adopted. And of course, Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton equally playing their part to get the win as well. But today, well, you wouldn't have thought that Bahrain was sitting in the memory banks of Max Verstappen. It was a brilliant start from him after what was a very difficult qualifying session where Red Bull probably felt, I certainly felt that they would get on the front row and get pole position, possibly with both of their cars, not just the one. They didn't. And of course, Max got a great start in the trickery in the tricky conditions. And despite the pressure Lewis put on him at certain stages in the race, it was a faultless performance from Max Verstappen. It's certainly the right way to respond to the gauntlet that Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes would have laid down on him following the Bahrain Grand Prix. What I liked about it, though, um, at the start, obviously at the chicane, there was a clash between Lewis and Max, and Lewis got a little bit of damage to his front wing. Yes, it wasn't too detrimental to his race, but I didn't, I didn't hear any whinging. They just both, they both got on with it, and it, there seems to be at this point. There seems to be a healthy respect between the two drivers. And I think that sometimes helps your racecraft because if the two drivers have that kind of respect, it means you're, you're going to see a better quality of racing. So that bodes well mm. for the rest of this championship. But apart from the big moment from Lewis, which I'm sure we're going to go on to later on, I think the pair of them showcased how talented they really are today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we'll go into, we're obviously we're going to go through the race as it happened from even before the start of the race, some of the things that did happen. But um, since we're here, I might as well ask you about this incident, Courtney, between Max and Lewis. Obviously, Max Verstappen got a great start. Lewis has found himself sandwiched in between the two Red Bulls in the wet conditions, certainly not the dry conditions we were expecting. And Max got into turn one around the inside. Lewis was around the outside. And it got to a point where Lewis just ran out of room. Um, did you feel that Max had forced Lewis wide or did you feel that that was just a position where round the outside into turn one it was always going to get narrow for the car on the outside do you think Lewis perhaps probably should have backed off and let Max go or do you feel that he had the right to be there uh, Max, Max did nudge him a little bit but at the end of the day it's the first lap of the race these things happen like if it was a race defining moment halfway through the race maybe there'd been a bit more to discuss but these things happen and I'm and I'm pleased that the stewards didn't interfere with it and let it have an effect on our race because we were very critical of how the stewards handled the last race. So I'm hoping lessons were learned from that. Mm. And again, it just it just means that if the stewards are consistent like this, we are more likely to see better battles between the two as we go through the season. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, the stewards, there was no need to intervene. I think for the benefit of the broadcast, they noted the incident according to race control, and then said there was no further action, just so that anybody that felt that some retrospective action was required could just be told there isn't any. And you're absolutely right. There was no grounds for any intervention from the stewards at all. In my opinion, I felt that, you know, Lewis was around the outside and wet conditions. He was not, al I mean, he was alongside Max, but Max had the corner. And mm. the way that that corner goes from left to right, almost like a chicane, you kind of feel that if you're on the outside there, you have to be ahead of the car further into the corner than Lewis was to in, to, in order to warrant having that corner for yourself. Lewis wasn't. And Lewis did try to turn into a little bit, but Max was not going to move from his racing no. line. And he had the racing line. So what I felt Lewis might have thought that Max had forced him wide was that there was just no room and that Max was just not going to move out of the way, which he's entitled to do. Fortunately, Lewis was able to continue with no more than a damaged front wing end plate. And to be honest, Courtney, the first stint that Lewis put in, you know, they were trading off times all the time, Max and Lewis, despite Max building up a little bit of a lead. It didn't really seem to affect Lewis that much at all. Yeah. Uh, before the uh, start of the season, there may be qualifying in Bahrain. I was very concerned that Red Bull were going to run away the way Mercedes have done in recent uh, seasons. But it's certainly not the case. We've gone to two different circuits with different characteristics and it's clear it's close between the two teams. We've still got 21 races left, fingers crossed. And, you know, putting together what we've seen in the, in the, in the first two races, I think we are in for a cracking season and yeah. we should all be yeah. excited about it. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you on that one. Um, but of course, let's backtrack a little bit, you know, because we're talking about conditions in a race that we're not expected. I mean, people were talking about 
the potential for rain being a factor in this race for a good number of days before the race itself. And 40 minutes before the Grand Prix started, the heavens opened. It started to rain over at the uh, early parts of the circuit and it was drier towards the end of it and it caused all sorts of chaos. I mean, we had Bottas complaining of a rear puncher starting well down the order in eighth after a below par performance in qualifying. We had Lance Stroll having issues with his right brakes were on fire at the rear. Alonso, Fernando Alonso, one of the masters at Imola, um, won the last time he raced him ended up crashing into the wall on his way to the grid which required a new front wing and a nose cone well done Alpine for getting that car back out on track and then we had Sebastian Vettel having issues as well which caused him to start from the pit lane which was a shame for Vettel because as we will get into in this race review I thought Vettel drove fairly well today it was just a shame that once again being bogged down through no fault of his own if he was able to have the similar fortunes to his teammate in terms of where he started the race, he may have well found himself embedded in the points at the end of this race, not to be, unfortunately, but we will get into that. But uh, th let's crack on with um, the actual race itself. I, I suppose first thing we have to say is congratulations to Nikita Mazepin, who completed his first lap in Formula One and did also complete a race with, although he wasn't free, from the odd moment of controversy, not necessarily his own doing, unlike qualifying, where he's not going to be top of Antonio Giovinazzi's Christmas card list. But um, getting involved in an incident early on with Nicholas Latifi, which saw Nicholas Latifi, unfortunately, have to retire from the race after a big crash before the uh, Tamborella chicane after Agua Millerale. Um, how, how did you see that incident, Courtney? Did you feel that Natifi should have given Mazepin more room, or do you feel that Natifi was right to think that Mazepin shouldn't have been there? Because... I don't know about you, mate. I, I thought Latifi was a bit naive there and just squeezed Mazepin to the point where Mazepin had nowhere to go. Yeah, I think when someone is just like as much as Mazepin is, I just think it's very easy to use him as a scapegoat. But to be fair to him, on this occasion, it wasn't his fault. It's one of those things, you know, it's 50-50, could have gone either way. Um, and he got away with it to an extent. But yeah, I, I just think I just think it'd just be... If we just attack this guy over every little thing that he does, even when it's not his fault, it undermines the message that, you know, the fans are angry about his behaviour off track with what we're trying to set. Mm. So I think we just need to be careful to stop, to not slate him over every little thing, even if it's not his fault. We really need to be careful about that. No, and we should give him credit where credit is due. I mean, we joke saying he completed a lap. He completed a race today, you know, so obviously... Formula One drivers are expected to finish the race, but, you know, it's always important to get your first one in. Had a bit of a spin towards the end, so old Mazza spin delivering. That was the third spin I think he had this weekend. Had a couple in practice and um, one in the race as well, but he was able to finish the race. And I think when you're learning your way in a car that is clearly a long way behind everybody else, that's probably the best that you can hope for, if anything, beat his teammate, which he didn't do. But at this point, I'd say you've got to take the positives where you can get them. So well done to him on that one. Um, while we're talking of Huss, Mick Schumacher uh, had a bit of an eventful race, ended up 16th overall, but um, or I should say 15th overall, I should say, because, um, but just checking, uh, no, it was 16th because um, he wasn't able to overtake Sebastian Vettel despite Vettel retiring towards the end. So, yeah, Mick Schumacher had a bit of an event after coming, well, after the first safety car, really, and ended up uh, putting it into the wall just outside the pit exit, which called the pit lane to be closed at the time, and had to drive a few laps on the wet tyres with a broken front wing and nose, really. That must have been a bit of a scary moment for the son of a seven-time world champion, also a seven-time winner here at Imola. Well, it's a bit of a bizarre one because... Where the incident itself happened, it happened just at the exit of the pit lane. Mm. So the pit lane was closed. So then for two or three laps, he just had to like go around without a nose in wet conditions. So that would have been a bit dicey for him. But, you know, it, it, it worked out for him in the end, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we should get back to the leading battle. So, of course... Uh, Max Verstappen had a great start, got ahead of Lewis Hamilton, who managed to recover to stay in second place. Charles Leclerc, who had a very, very scary moment on the formation lap, going off backwards at Agua Minerale, managed to keep the car running despite putting it into the gravel and ended up managed to get into P3 at the start, getting ahead of Sergio Perez. 
the race itself for Charles Leclerc, obviously some good moments. It was very, very unfortunate perhaps not to get on the podium today. How would you feel Charles Leclerc would assess his race today? Because I, I would be honest with you, Courtney, I don't think Charles did a lot wrong. I think he did very well. Wow. But, and if events had gone his way a bit better, he may have ended up in second place today. I think overall we might be disappointed because in a race this chaotic, there's always an opportunity to get a podium or even a win in different circumstances. But I think for Ferrari fans in general, there must be a sense of slight optimism given that Ferrari are probably right in that midfield mix. Yes, they're, they're arguably the biggest team in Formula 1. They want to be going for wins. But this 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 race confirmed that it's certainly made a massive step forward compared to the last season. Mm, absolutely. And I think for them in qualifying and in long run pace, they looked very, very good. Both cars did, not just Leclerc. Uh, Sainz did as well. And I think perhaps the only thing that Ferrari will be a little disappointed about is that the, the advantage that Mercedes have um, in, in their engine power that McLaren, of course, were able to utilise. And of course, let's not forget the very clever piece of strategy that McLaren adopted with Lando Norris towards the end of the race, which we will get into, which you could argue was the reason why he ended up in the top three today. Um, but as I said, we'll go, we'll go on with this race. Uh, you know, Charles Leclerc making a good move on Perez. Perez himself, uh, a very good Saturday, very bad Sunday, and a lot of issues. Uh, at the start, of course, losing that place to Charles Leclerc early on. And he didn't really feel very, very comfortable following behind him. It just seemed that he was not as quick as the likes of Verstappen, Hamilton and Leclerc at the early parts of the race, which is surprising because you think Perez would be a lot more comfortable in those conditions than most drivers, but just wasn't to be today. And then it got worse for him. He made that mistake at turn nine, which saw him go very wide at the safety car, losing a place to Ricardo and Gasly, which of course, Ricardo slowed down to allow Perez to take back, despite the fact, as far as my understanding was concerned, that if you lose a place by an error like that under the safety car, you can't take that place back. And it proved to be with the stewards giving him a, I believe it was a 10 second. Was it a time penalty or was it a stop go? Because they did uh, a stop go. Yeah. Yeah. Which was about 35 seconds. If you include the 25 seconds sitting in the pits and 10 seconds added to your time. Sergio Perez at that point of the race, Corny. Um, I mean, we'll get into the big question regarding his seat at Red Bull, but after the recovery drive he put in Bahrain, he needed to deliver on a good performance, which he put in in qualifying. Would you say he would be very disappointed with how his race turned out? Of course. I mean, it's, it's so easy to get carried away on so many aspects after two races because they've both been great. However, it seems to be becoming apparent that there's quite a sizable gap between the two top drivers at Mercedes and Red Bull and their, and their teammates. You know, it, it's, it's, it seems there's becoming a bit of a trend with whoever, <laughs> whoever partners Max Verstappen. I think that's another example as to why it's becoming more and more apparent at exceptionally talented both Lewis and Max are. Mm. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And obviously we're seeing that those two guys really shining for their teams um, respectively, whereas their teammates obviously have plenty more to do. And we will get into Valtteri Bottas a little bit later on. But um, that second seat at Red Bull, all jokes aside, does seem to be quite cursed because as the race went on, Perez found himself back in the upper echelons of the pack, challenging the likes of Leclerc, Norris, Ricardo, and Sainz. And even then, you probably thought Perez might have a car here that can get him back into the top two alongside his teammate. But instead, he ended up making a mistake at the Villeneuve chicane much later into the race, quite similar to what Alex Albon did in a similar circumstances last season. And he didn't retire, but he pretty much threw away all that good work. How long do you feel that Red Bull will give him leniency in terms of errors like these? Because not to mention the fact that this is a lot of points being thrown away from the Constructors' Championship perspective, especially on a day when Mercedes only had one car finishing as well. But, you know, this is not the sort of driving that you'd expect from Sergio Perez. And whilst he himself said he reckons he could have got pole position... Um, and, you know, he needs to eradicate little mistakes. He drove well in Bahrain, but today he was complete opposite 
in a good position and just let it let it get away not just once but multiple times this weekend how much leniency do you feel Red Bull will grant Perez if he continues to drive this way there seems to be a, another trend developing at Red Bull you know we've seen it we saw it with Gasly we saw it with Albon I don't know it, it, it doesn't it seems to be more than just a coincidence now you know last season a pair of us were constantly chirping about Perez the guy is clearly a very good driver. It just seems at the moment a competent driver goes into that second Red Bull seat. You know, since Ricardo left, it just seems that they lose their confidence. We've done what goes on behind the scenes. I've done the casting excursions because at the end of the day, we're not there. It just, it just seems that that environment, similar to how we saw with uh, Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari, it seems to be a bit of a soul destroyer. And at the end of the day, when you're in a sport like Formula One, you need to be confident or you're going to be exposed. Absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of the number two drivers that are appearing in these big teams now have, they've been a bit slow starting. Um, Ricardo, despite the fact that he was nowhere near the pace of his teammate, finished in the top six today. And I think McLaren will still be very happy with that, knowing that Ricardo is only going to get faster and faster and faster once he gets up to the speed with his car. And I think it's fair to say Lando Norris has been performing incredibly well. Uh, and we will talk about him in a moment. But in Perez's case, like Sainz today, was making a few errors, but Carlos Sainz was able to recover from that. And when he found himself back in the, the top positions, he was able to consolidate that, which he did today, finishing on the top five, which Ferrari, despite feeling disappointed about Leclerc not finishing on the podium today, when he probably deserved to, um, if it weren't for other things that went against him, um, Sainz was able to deliver, Perez was not. And this is where Red Bull will have to ask mm. questions. And I know a lot of you probably listen to this are thinking, look, Ad, come on, it's two races. Are we really yeah. going to be doing this with Perez and the way that Albon was having all this unnecessary pressure in Kvyat and Gasly? You know, unlike those younger drivers, Perez is, a, is almost a veteran in Formula One. He's been in the sport now for almost a decade. He's driven in plenty of cars now. He's driven in plenty of races. He's a Grand Prix winner. And he had to do that by being able to be composed and manage his race and do everything else. All of the attributes that Red Bull signed him for. Bahrain, despite the misfortune of not getting through to Q3, he managed to recover well from the back of the field to finish in a good, strong position in the top five. Today, he had the car. He had a good opportunity to even win this race today. And he had more than one go at it. And unfortunately, he not only didn't do that, but he didn't finish in the points today. And you couldn't say that Red Bull had done anything wrong to put him in that position. That was all his own fault. So it makes it even harder for him. He has to start delivering on these performances. And if he gets into that position again, where he's fighting the likes of Lewis and Max, his teammate and Bottas possibly as well, he needs to make sure that at the very least, he's finishing in the top four, because that's what Red Bull signed him for. Another problem for Sergio is that with this championship potentially being as close as it is, even with the constructors, we said this earlier on um, in the season, the second drivers are going to be so vital to who potentially wins the constructors because it's clearly going to be close between um, Lewis and Max. So what Perez and Bottas do could potentially define who wins the championship. And with that, Everything that Perez does, there's going to be extra focus on it. You know, ironically, Gasly and Albon probably will have had more leeway than Perez is going to get because they weren't challenging for a championship in those respective seasons. Absolutely. I mean, at the moment, it seems that the leading protagonists at Mercedes and Red Bull respectively are the ones that are doing the business for their teams as well as themselves. But they will need the added assistance from that number two driver. And, and it's if we didn't know already, it's pretty clear who those two are going to be in both ends of the spectrum and who the supporting roles are going to be as well. Um, it, it's a hard sale. This Red Bull number two seat seems to be cursed. I mean, we joke about it, but for whatever reason, it creates so many unique pressures that perhaps only one or two other teams actually have that causes very, very good drivers, no matter how experienced you are, to struggle to live up to it. I'm hoping and I'm confident that Perez will be able to find a way to get this right. But after a 
good recovery in Bahrain. He could have really done well to consolidate that today. And unfortunately, it just passed him by several times, not just one time. So he'll reflect on that. He'll know what to do. Hopefully, by the time we get to Portimao, we'll see a much more improved Sergio Perez, not just Saturday, but on a Sunday well, which we know he would have done very well at otherwise. Um, since we're on the topic, let's go back to the other driver, obviously, that has a role in this championship, and that's Valtteri Bottas. Now, Valtteri Bottas did not have the best of qualifying, ended up eighth on the grid. The weather may have proved to have been an opportunity for him to recover a lot of that deficit where it would have been a difficult track to pass on anyway. Having said that, Valtteri is not exactly the strongest wet weather driver either. So that was obviously another hurdle we had to overcome. But unfortunately, it kind of ended in a very dramatic fashion for him where he had that collision with George Russell. Before we get into Bottas's race, Courtney, let's talk about that incident. Um, How did you see that? Did you feel that it was more Valtteri moving over too much to cause Russell to be a bit off put, which caused that incident? Did you, or perhaps did you feel George Russell was a bit too adventurous at high speed or did you feel it was a bit of both because it was a huge incident and probably not an easy one to determine who was at fault if it was one person? It did seem to edge more against um, Valtteri Bottas. He seemed to be a little bit more to the right. Um, Maybe I'm reading too much into this. But I sense the growing tension between the two drivers, both going for that same seat, played a part in this incident. You know, that, and that's what I said at the start. It seems that some of the dynamics between these drivers are starting to play out on track. And the reactions when they jumped out of the car said it all, really. Mm. Of course, adrenaline comes into it. Like, Jesus Christ, it just had a crash. It could have potentially killed one of them, you know, if... If fate was against them, it could have killed one of them. Let's, let's be honest, it was a horrible crash. So adrenaline would have played a factor. But the, the way that they were with each other afterwards is a little bit of it was his fault playing the blame game because at the end of the day, they're both going for that seat. And they're obviously the moral high ground comes into play into this. And we won't know the details of exactly what's going on behind the scenes. But even this early on in the season, Mercedes will be thinking about who they're going to take on. And this this incident could potentially could be one of the factors that define who drives for Mercedes next season. So the stakes are high for them. Absolutely. I think in Bottas's mind, he was probably trying to figure out where he was or what day of the week, because Bottas mm-hmm. looked completely out of it. Even later on, when you saw him on his own, sort of on his knees, looking down, he's probably sitting there thinking like what the hell happened you know i hope Valtteri is okay of course I, as i said i was a bit late to the party with this race so i haven't had much time to sort of see the condition from what i understand everything seems to be okay but obviously very very winded george russell on the other hand was livid when he got out of the car mm. and you could see the way he was walking over because when you saw the live broadcast um you didn't see the incident you just saw basically half for Williams and half for Mercedes and George Russell just walking out of his car, getting to, going towards Bottas. And you thought he's either going to do one or two things. He's either going to check to see if he's okay or give him a piece of his mind. He probably did a bit of both, um, you know, being a, a Mercedes driver himself to some degree, um, you know, checking in on Valtteri, but then obviously having a few words with him about what was going on. Looking at the replays and judging by George Russell's radio exchange um, with the Williams team afterwards, he was not very happy with Valtteri Bottas. I mean, for me personally, I kind of felt that, um, yes, Valtteri probably did move a little bit too much, which might have put George off a little bit or might have moved him to the right a bit more than he did. But the way that the corner narrows going into turn one, I just felt that perhaps George was probably a bit ambitious to go through it there and perhaps should have waited for the opportunity. But when you're in that moment, you have to think really, really quickly. And perhaps, Courtney, as you said, because the other Mercedes driver, the car that George wants to be in next season was right there for the taking in terms of an overtake. He might have got a bit excited and thought, I'm going to have him here. And it just went horribly wrong. He puts the tyre on the grass, very, very wet grass, and it's just going to send the cars into a spin. Thankfully, from what we understand, both drivers are okay. But um, definitely some food for thought there for both. Yeah, I must say, though, must say another thing that'll be disappointing is that the Williams actually seemed quite decent today. It did. So the, uh, they most likely missed out on points yet again. The George mm. Russell were getting the points at Williams. It, that that's another curse. Talk about the red ball seat being cursed. It seems that like that William that that Williams is cursed in terms of getting any points. His time must come like very soon, surely, because it's getting stupid now. 
Well, I did say in the preview episode that we did earlier in the week that I felt Williams could potentially get in the points and could do pretty well because this is a circuit that is quite calmer. And if you've got that peaky downfall set up, you can do relatively well. I mean, George Russell was disappointed. He didn't get into Q3 yesterday and he wasn't too far away from it. Latifi had a very good qualifying. It was the best mm. I'd seen Latifi drive in a qualifying session. It's just such a shame he let it all go to waste with that incident with Mazepin, which he only has himself to blame. You know, as much as everyone loves to point the finger at Nikita Mazepin, he was really the innocent party in this incident. So you're right. Williams will definitely be very disappointed that they weren't able to capitalize on a golden opportunity, especially when some of their rivals around them were able to score points today, which we'll get into now. But before, actually, sorry, before we do get into that, let's finish on Valtteri Bottas because we haven't spoken too much about him today. Um, the crash itself was probably the least of his concerns. I think what was more telling, and we'll get into this when we talk about Lewis's race towards the end, was that he struggled to really make ground on the guys ahead of him. He was stuck behind Stroll for so long in the race and Gasly as well until eventually he overtook him. Um, is there a fear at Mercedes that this decision to keep Bottas may not necessarily hinge on whether or not they promote George Russell. It could be a factor that if Lewis decides not to stay and they promote George Russell, they may still get rid of Valtteri Bottas next season as well. It's a possibility. Um, I'm glad you went back to the uh, the first stint where he's struggling to overtake because by the radio messages and what the commentators were telling us, you know, what's going on in the background at Mercedes, there, there seems to be an impatience towards Valtteri. They were saying, look, you've got the car. We've got the pace here for you to be able to overtake these cars. And it simply wasn't happening. And you know, going forward to his, um, his reaction to the incident, he was certainly okay physically. But the way he was crouched down after that race, yes, after, after the incident, yes, of course, he was winded. But his body language was showing the body language of a man who's dejected. Mm. I just wonder, I just wonder if, there are talks already going on about his future. Because I think you're right. I think whether George Russell gets goes there or not, I think Mercedes are going to be looking to replace Valtteri because this we, we said it last season, this was his last real opportunity to, to make an impact. Yes, again, we're only two races in. But he's already he must already be about 25 points behind Lewis. Must be there or thereabouts now. Yeah, pretty much. It's yeah. Getting, it's, it's becoming awful. It's, be, it's getting into an awful position. And in his mind, I think he knows he has to turn this around in the next two, three races, or he can find himself losing his Mercedes seat. I mean, I asked this question because um, they the interviewed Total Wolf after the race about that incident. And of course, it involved two of the drivers on the Mercedes. Um, school if you like i can't mm. think of a better way of putting it um i was going to say payroll but i'm pretty sure george gets paid by williams not mercedes at the moment that being said um two of their drivers toto wolf was asked a question about bottas and russell and about russell he said you know a mercedes you've got to put in good performances where you can either be at the team or you end up at someone like the renault clio cup um and the performance from george today was something worthy of the latter which all joke and jest aside you could argue that george didn't have the best of days today given that he was driving in a good position and he played his part in that incident with bottas um I, again i don't think you can lay 100 percent of the blame on just one driver whichever one you go for but having said that it's going to be a, a lot more opportunities for george to show mercedes what they could potentially have in a car that really is not going to be fighting um, in the midfield it's going to be competing at the front which we've already seen George on one occasion show how good he really is but in Bottas's case he's already in that car he has the expectation and this is not a new thing it's not like Mercedes have done what Red Bull have done and promoted a good driver into their car and are already starting to see some issues Bottas has been in that car now for five seasons and for only a handful of occasions has Valtteri Bottas looked like he is more than capable of doing a job in that car that only one other driver can do, his teammate, and no one else a better one. And we're not seeing that enough from Valtteri, and that is a concern. So this is why I kind of raised the point that if George Russell ends up at Mercedes, it may not necessarily be to replace Bottas. Bottas may not be able to keep that seat regardless, and Mercedes may look elsewhere. I know people have been throwing Max Verstappen's name in there, 
I just feel logistically that's not going to be possible not to have him and George Russell in that team next season. So there's definitely a concern from Valtteri Bottas, but I just don't think it's always going to come in the form of George Russell at the moment. It may be beyond that. I think personally, with the new regulations coming in, I, I don't. We, we, we've spoken about Lewis retirement thing so many times. So I want to keep this brief. With the new regulations coming in, and if there's a really close battle between Lewis and Max, we might just see Lewis do one more season. And I feel there's almost a sense of inevitability of a Lewis Hamilton and George Russell partnership. And that'd be another challenge. You know, I was I was talking to. Um, uh, Vulcan Motorsport last night, he, uh, he DM'd the DNF1 account, and we are talking about Lewis. And I think Lewis reminds me a little bit of Goku from Dragon Ball, where he relishes <laughs> a new challenger. We saw, we saw it with Vettel in 2017, we're seeing it this season with Max. And I think, I think that Lewis would actually relish having George Russell as a teammate. So that might yeah. be a kind of dynamic that might actually, you might see Lewis give the, the new regs a go, and have George Russell as a team. At this point, I think that's the most likely outcome. It's certainly the more, um, how how would you put it, Uh, appeasing lineup option Mm. that Mercedes. I think if Mercedes had to choose what would be the best lineup post Valtteri Bottas, it would be Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. Because if you had George Russell Bottas, you'd rather keep Hamilton instead of Russell because you've got the option there to have a guy leading the team going forward. You don't really want um, to put George Russell in there if he's not going to be Hamilton's teammate. On top of that, you definitely don't want to put George Russell in there with Max Verstappen because you're going to end up with a Hamilton Rosberg 2.0. Yeah. If you thought that one was tasty, can you imagine (laughs) how much this one would cause fireworks given that we've got the best driver of this current new generation of drivers. And you've also got one of the other best drivers in there as well. A guy that's not even been close to having a taste of success in Formula One other than one occasion. And you really want to put him in that. I don't think Mercedes or anybody would dream of wanting to handle that, let alone Max or George themselves. So, um, yeah, it's one of those where I think Valtteri has to be very, very careful now and has to start delivering sooner rather than later because that decision to stay in the team may not necessarily be reliant on what George Russell does for the rest of the season. So, um, you know, let's move on. Of course, um, we've got to get back to the leaders at some point, but uh, we're going to have a quick word now on a few other teams before we get back to that. I want to talk about Aston Martin. Aston Martin, again, seventh place for Lance Stroll today. A very good day. Um, Despite what happened to Sebastian Vettel, I think he drove rather well for most parts of this race. He was very unlucky at the start to be bogged down. He also had the stop-go penalty because the mechanics didn't have the tyres on the car five minutes before the start of the race, despite the fact he ended up starting for the pit lane. But Vettel was pretty feisty and drove rather well. And if it wasn't for that gearbox issue towards the end, um, he wouldn't have finished in the points. But if he hadn't had those issues, he'd have been up there with Lance Stroll today, fighting for some big points. So, are we starting to see Aston Martin really start to pick up their pace now and find some gains and perhaps showing their hand in this midfield battle? It's certainly encouraging, particularly for the drivers. You know, the, the hope for Sebastian Vettel is that he was he would be able to turn it around after his, you know, dire time at Ferrari. Um, Bahrain was a bit, you know, is, is this going to be a continuation? But yeah, it was a scruffy race, but the things that went wrong were kind of out of his control. You know, given what he had in front of him, he made the best of what he had. And it's encouraging. And I just the, the, the problem for Seb is that he needs a couple of incident-free races because, look, he has the ability to turn it around. We all know that. But going into the next couple of races, he needs to keep it clean. And he just needs a little bit of fortune on his side as well. Because I think once he has a couple of stable races, we might start seeing him spearheading Aston Martin right into the top of the midfield again. That's certainly the hope for them anyway. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have, you know, it wasn't without their uh, little problems. I mean, Lance Stroll had a bit of issues with the shift in. Vettel did as well. So gearbox issues either side for both teams. But um, I would say on the whole, if it wasn't for those issues Vettel had, he would have been running pretty well in the points. So I think Aston Martin should be happy where they can be. Still plenty of work to do and they still look a long way off the likes of McLaren and Ferrari at least. 
but they do look pretty handy at the moment, at least in Lance Stroll's hands. Hopefully Vettel can continue to progress and perhaps be rewarded for more performances like what he put in today. Because I think, as I said, I think he drove pretty well under the circumstances. Um, we should also talk about Alpine. Alpine brought a lot of parts to improve the car this weekend. Uh, they got a point in Esteban Ocon, who has had a pretty good weekend, out-qualified Fernando Alonso, also beat him in the race. Alonso finishing 11th, um, doing well despite that incident at the start of the race. Um, how big a point is this for Esteban Ocon? Um, he needed to put in a performance at the earliest opportunity to beat Fernando Alonso. He did that today without any real major issues. Would you say that perhaps more performances like this from Ocon will be enough to convince Alpine to keep him on for next season? Well, a couple of things bearing in mind, you know, you're right. Ocon's one of the drivers that are sort of in a perilous position. All he can do is beat his teammates. So this is certainly a good start. We've got 21 races left. But if he carries on, at least at the standard that he set today, it's certainly going to make it difficult. But I think another thing we must consider is how well Pierre Gasly does at AlphaTauri. So I think it's pretty clear that there is some there is some weight behind these rumours that Gasly's looking to join Alpine. So even if Esteban Ocon does okay, I think if Pierre Gasly has another exceptional season, I think it's going to be difficult for Ocon. But all Ocon could do at this point is worry about his own performances. And this the, the performance point today is a good start for him. Mm, absolutely and um you know all things considered i think alonso did rather well to get back into that position alongside his teammate i'll be disappointed that he didn't get a point today but uh, alpine definitely improving and once again scoring points again today where they were unlucky not to do so in bahrain because of the issue alonso had in that race um let's also move into alfa romeo not a lot to be said on them but kimi raikkonen the experienced the veteran managing to repeat that ninth place finish he got last season. He did it again and uh, in a race where all the chaos was going all around Kimi Raikkonen, but he pretty much just drove his own race and as a result was rewarded with a ninth place finish. Um, pretty good day for Alfa Romeo. I said they might be involved in the points and uh, despite the qualifying performance that they had, which was terrible, both cars going out in Q1, Kimi certainly doing a good job today getting in the points. Well, with races like this, the talent the talented drivers always shine. And despite Kimmy's commitment issues in the past, we always know how talented he is. And this race is one of the races that, you know, as we saw from Lewis, from Max, the old boy still got it. Kimmy's, you know, you as, as you get older, yes, the, the, you start to slow down a bit. But I think this is an example that, that Kimmy's still able to put in the performances when need be. So I think he'll be hoping for more races like this because he, he always seems to be there. In a race where it's chaotic, Kimi always seems to find a way to stay out of trouble and to pick up good points for Alfa Romeo. And they're certainly going to miss him next season, aren't they? Well, this is assuming that he doesn't continue next season. I mean, as I said, Kimi Raikkonen will keep going for as long as he wants to. And given Alfa Romeo's lack of options, it would be said to some degree, it's pretty difficult for them to want to sort of relinquish a driver that can deliver for them. Um, uh, we've kind of touted the regulation changes in 2022 as the time when Kimi would move on. But for all intents and purposes, whilst he's the one delivering the points for them, I can't quite see why they'd be so reluctant to keep him. I don't think they are. I think they'd want him to stay. So we'll have to wait and see. It could depend on what Kimi wants to do in the end. Giovinazzi, unfortunate, but not really able to repeat the same heroics as Kimi. Um, so he was down in 14th place today. So not really, you couldn't really help him with that, unfortunately. Um, I think suppose we should talk about Alpha Tauri now. It's, um, how can I put this? It, it's rather disappointing for Alpha Tauri because it's clearly evident that they've got a quick car. We still don't know where they fit in the overall pecking order. I would suppose if I was to take a stab at it, I would say they're behind Ferrari and McLaren in terms of overall performance in that midfield and ahead of everybody else. But for whatever reason, whether it's mistakes from the drivers and there have been plenty of them so far or issues with the team on strategy, again, a factor today, they are not able to take advantage of this. I mean, in qualifying Yuki Tsunoda, in the Tamborella chicane, got a bit too hot, happy there, damaged the rear end of his car, ended up going into the wall backwards. 
he is getting increasingly frustrated on the radio. I think the more that we're hearing of Yuki Tsunoda in F1, literally we're going to have to get this kid a swear jar. I mean, Yuki, do you, I mean, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? Come on. But um, I mean, I, I, I loved watching Yuki Tsunoda drive in the junior categories and we didn't get much radio communication, but even when we did, it was nowhere near as blue as the language he chose as it is in English. I mean, I, I guess if you're learning English as a second language or any other foreign language, you're going to be using the swear words perhaps a bit more than the natives do, but Yuki, wow, you've got to, he might be small in stature, but he's certainly high in passion and enthusiasm. So that is a very much tall in that regard. But um, again, another difficult race for him. It wasn't a clean drive for him. He had a few issues early on in the race, had a few mistakes. Um, Pierre Gasly as well on the wet tyres for a long time. It proved to be a strategy that might have worked. But when the rain started to stop falling and it didn't come as Alpha Terry were hoping it would, they tried sticking him out for as long as possible. And to keep it in that window before the dry tires come on. But I think they've realized very, very quickly that it wasn't going to work, especially when Ocon, who also was on the wet tires, chose to pit earlier and ended up catching Gasly on the intermediate tires after stopping a uh, time off. Um, I, I guess my question about AlphaTauri, Corny, is despite their pace that they are showing at the moment and their drivers showing a lot of quality where at certain moments, are, is there a fear that they're throwing away too many opportunities to score points and potentially lose out to their rivals, not just Ferrari and McLaren, but maybe Aston Martin and Alpine as well, who you probably will say that's where the battle's probably going to be between uh, for, Ast- uh, for Alpha Tauri, I should say, this season. They've certainly got time to turn it around. You know, we've got, we've got some races coming up where they could do quite well. And to be fair to them, they took a gamble today. You know, why not? You know, they, they, they could have taken an opportunity to get up on the podium in a wet race because these sort of, sort of conditions, it's teams like AlphaTauri that will look to take a gamble because they won't get many opportunities to go for a podium. So they probably thought, you know what, if this works out, great. But unfortunately for them, on this day, it didn't. But on another day, it could have worked out well for them. So, you know, it's unfortunate for them. But like Aston Martin, they just need a couple smooth races to get into the groove. Absolutely. But... um. We've done the analysis on a lot of the teams now. Let's go to the battle at the front. Um, and, and one of the big moments later on in the race, I think it was at lap 38, of course, we've gone through the pit stops, gone to the dry tyres. Max Verstappen came in a lap earlier than Lewis Hamilton. It seemed that Lewis might be able to get ahead of him and overcut him after putting in a few quick sectors, but he had a long delay pit stop. I, I think it's fair to say that given the speed Max was travelling, even if Lewis had a world record pit stop, Max probably would have still got ahead of him as the race progressed on the big moment when Lewis Hamilton and Max were sort of trading fastest laps and the gap was around about four seconds and then it got closer because of the traffic then it went back to around about three or four seconds Lewis made a very uncharacteristic error going into the hairpin and um, almost completely retiring from the race almost beaching it in the gravel getting stuck to the point where he had to reverse back onto the track and then rejoin um at that moment, Courtney, what must have been going through your mind when Lewis Hamilton did that? Because I I saw that and forgot that Bottas was out of the... Uh, forgot that, you know, I didn't see Bottas was going to be out of the race a lap later, but I thought that was Bottas at first. I yeah. You know. <laughs> We're so out of character. You know, you do expect it to be Bottas. A little bit arrogant of us to think that, but nonetheless, that's where we are. But it was the... The nature of the track as well to come into play because I think it was George Russell, funny enough. I don't think George Russell has been too generous about letting uh, Lewis Hamilton overlap him. And so Lewis had to go onto the wet patch, which is, is that a character? I'm not going to go blaming George. It wasn't Lewis's fault. But he uncharacteristically went for, I just think he's so desperate to keep up with Max. He got he got caught in a moment, went onto the wet patch and went sliding off. And at that point, I thought, this is it. This is it. He's out, and you know he's going to have to be playing catch up. I thought, is this going to be like 2016 or whatever again? Mm. You know, at the very start, because it can set a precedent. If you, if you have a big gap to your rival, it does. It can set a precedent. So, given how it ended, I, I personally, I'm very happy about it ending because I thought Lewis was going to end up being like 15 points behind Max, and it didn't turn out to be that way. So, certainly, all things considered, 
I think I think um, I think Lewis Hamilton fans should be very happy that things ended. I think they should be very delighted. Um, I'm not going to take anything away from the recovery drive that Lewis put in towards the end, but I will say this: he was very, very fortunate of what happened next between mm-hmm. Russell. But of course, nobody wishes for something like that to happen, but it is very, very fortunate that coincidentally an incident like that would happen to bring out a safety car and then eventually a red flag. When you're in a position where you were going backwards, you had a damaged car, he would have had to pit, put new tires on. He would have lost even more time. It Lewis was could have, Yeah. He could have, Lewis could have very, yeah. yeah. Ended up being lapped by Max Verstappen if it wasn't for that incident. Um, you know, but that, that gave him the opportunity to put on fresh set of tyres, a new front wing and everything else that needed to be done. Then, of course, the red flag did come out to stop the race. Lewis sat down in ninth place. And despite struggling originally to get past Lance Stroll, once he had done, it was almost like a cheetah or a leopard being free to go after that gazelle. The way that he hunted down Ricardo, Sainz, Leclerc, and then eventually Norris to finish second to Max Verstappen. Gotta say, credit where credit's due. As good as the Mercedes is and as powerful as that engine is, Lewis once again showing that he never gives up. He was able to put in that performance when he needed to. And I think if someone had offered him second place after that incident, he'd have been very, very happy. Um, Almost saved his bacon, pardon the pun. Um, I don't think Lewis would appreciate me using that term, but uh, a very good performance in the end from Lewis to recover. Uh, What did you make of that recovery, Courtney? Did you feel it it was never in doubt? with Lewis Hamilton or did you feel that on a track like this in these conditions that he may struggle to even get on the podium? I, it was another showcase of how talented this guy is. You know, he's very, again, it's very easy to sell down to the car. Of course, it plays a part. But as we saw, Belcher was struggling to overtake mm. and Lewis was, you know, was making him, he was, he was patient, you know, particularly with Lando Norris. Lando put quite a good fight. But instead of making rash decisions that other drivers could have, he stayed, he remained patient and made the overtaking as, as possible. I think the Leclerc one was actually quite impressive as well. Mm. You know, he just waited, he just waited for the chance for Leclerc to, because where, where Leclerc was in and around the second of Lando, Leclerc had DRS to start with, but Lewis waited until Leclerc didn't have the DRS. And he was just quite methodical. And that 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 comes with experience, that comes with being, you know, one in a million driver that he is. Just that that kind of patience that other drivers and even Max in this thing can sometimes lack that that racecraft, which I think could make a difference in this championship. But that that can that can that, that conversation can wait for another time. Well I think but it's, it's just um, another example. Yeah. It was it was it was it was absolutely another example why I feel Lewis doesn't get the, the credit from the general F1 fan base that he deserves, particularly from the younger generation, because mm. they've no really nothing but Lewis dominate and they think it's down to the car. Lewis is an exceptional driver and he definitely deserves the credit for it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, I I was just going to say that it's kind of an example of how uh, something that I really like about Lewis Hamilton. I think my favourite version of Lewis Hamilton is a driver that has to hunt down his prey, if you like, and really go after a result rather than leading from the front, because we know Lewis can do that. We know yeah. all the greats can do that. Max Verstappen has proven today that he could lead and win a Grand Prix that he was supposed to win to some degree, although he did have to earn it at the very beginning. Um, it, it was certainly no smooth sailing, you know, again, in wet conditions. But, you know, I always prefer seeing Lewis have to be put in a position where he has to hunt down positions and really fight hard, despite any advantage you might have in machinery, whatever you want to, you know, however you want to quantify it on a track like Emily, you think that would probably count for less than it does in other circuits. But today it's really refreshing to see Lewis not be bogged down by something like this and really go after it, even though he knew that a chance at winning was probably gone once Max had checked out, but to pick off those drivers one by one. I mean, it was impressive to see the way he got past Leclerc quite easily in the end. And then eventually Lando when Lando made it quite difficult and I always found that quite interesting because Lando had that Mercedes engine he had that power uh the power level that Lewis had behind him you know Leclerc did clearly did not have that advantage and I think Ferrari will probably say the reason why they ended up finishing outside the podium today is because they had a Ferrari engine in that car and not a Mercedes one not really an excuse but Totally understandable. And I agree. I think if Leclerc had equal power behind him than Norris and Hamilton, I think he would have come second today. But, you know, 
that's always ifs and buts and maybes. Exactly. But in Lewis's case, very, very impressive. In a race where, as I said, I don't think enough people are saying this. I think it was very, very fortunate that what happened after his incident happened to sort of spare his blushes, but he took full advantage of that to sort of limit limit the damage that he had suffered and also get in the fastest lap, which critically allows him to keep the lead in the, the driver's championship after two races. But it's always nice to be leading the championship at any point. It's something that Max Verstappen still has not done in his Formula One career. But before we get into Max to round off this episode, I want to talk about Lando Norris. We haven't mentioned much about Lando today and it's a crime because we probably should have done and we're going to do that now. But we said before the start of the season and I said countless times, Lando is very, very good on a Saturday. Very good qualifier, brilliant over one lap. You love the the character, you love the personality, such a fun guy, very young, almost bordering on the naive, the innocence of it all. Today, he did the same in Bahrain, in racecraft, he is really showcasing that next level that we were hoping he was going to reach. And you know what? I'll be guilty of this and I'll hold my hands up and I apologise to Lando on this one, but I didn't feel he was going to be able to do it so well as he is. And I'm really, really happy and proud to see that Lando Norris is really starting to show that he is one of the top guys in the sport now. And it's so exciting. Today, unlike Bahrain, you know, he had a good car underneath him. He got ahead of Leclerc and it was quite an easy race for him. But today he didn't have what I would say the overall package perhaps to get the most or to get a position that he did, he would have been up there, but I think he may have had a hard time clearing Leclerc today, given how well he drove in the Ferrari. But once that race was restarted, McLaren very clever with the strategy to put him on the soft, which would have hurt later on in the race, but to get ahead of Leclerc at the earliest opportunity and then keep him behind and then keep Lewis behind until the very end. I've got to say Lando Norris is really starting to show everybody that he is without doubt not going to be, uh, you know, he's without doubt one of the top guys in the sport at the moment. And I think Daniel Ricciardo, who will need time to adjust to that McLaren, is not going to have an easy time taking leadership uh-huh. at that team, as some people, myself included, probably thought he was going to. Well, we, again, that very conversation we had at the beginning of the season, we've always said this is going to be a vital season for Lando. You know, he's been in, a, he's been in sport for a couple of seasons now and there's no doubt in the talent he had. So it's really great. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I always want to see the British drivers do well. I'm always going to have a soft spot for the Brits and that will never change. And it's really encouraging as a Brit to see that the future of British motorsport is going to be pretty healthy even after Lewis goes you know I'm very excited to see what Lando and George can do but we're going to keep this about Lando because we've given George enough praise we are we are starting to see how talented Lando really is you know and he's been he's been a big part of this recovery for McLaren you know a lot of people sort of make, pull it mainly down to Carlos Sainz Lando's played a big part in this he's helped not only with his talent on the track, but what his personality does for the team, he, that, that energy that he brings has certainly been a part of that rejuvenation for McLaren. Mm. And it carries on going the way he is. You put him in the right car, he could he could well be a championship contender in years to come. Well, absolutely. And of course, we should stress that Ricardo will need a bit more time to get used to this McLaren. And we know Ricardo will be up there. He's still delivering good performances. He comes sixth again today. You know, that cannot cannot be snuffed up. The only ones that beat him was Max Lewis's teammate in the two Ferraris. That's not exactly a bad thing. Uh, and we expect him to really up his game at some point. But right now, Lando, um, despite some doubts people had, despite some doubts I had, he is really proving to be the de facto number one driver. And I'm so happy to see Lando Noyce really raise his game now to be a serious contender, not just on a Saturday, but on a Sunday too. And I'll be honest with you guys, I would be very surprised if I don't see another Lando Norris podium this season. I think this kid is so into real, real maturity and real talent. And long may that continue. I think McLaren have got themselves a real good young talent on their hands in Lando Norris. But um, let's go to the final talking point of discussion Max Verstappen we haven't mentioned too much about him today got the win today oh so critical I said 
countless times going into this race that this was a race I expected Max Verstappen to win more so than in Bahrain. And it was probably just as hard, even though he didn't have to fight Lewis too much, um, you know, in terms of overtaking him. But today, the strategy call was spot on. Red Bull were aggressive in put, putting him on the dry tyres first, a lap before Lewis. It paid off for him. In the other way round, Mercedes might have been able to undercut him, mm-hmm. you know, and it could have been a different story today. But he didn't put a foot wrong, Max Verstappen. He just drove the race as he needed to, quite comfortably in the end. He got away, checked out at the front in the restart when he could have been under pressure from Lando Norris on the softer tyres, and he got the win. May not have been the fastest lap, but you know what? I'd rather him take the win than try and go for fastest lap like Lewis did and end up making a mistake and throwing away 25 points. That's, you know, that's the bigger picture you've got to look at here. Exactly. Um, so despite only being a point behind Lewis Hamilton, he certainly is game on today from Max Verstappen and Red Bull. Courtney, how impressed were you today by Max Verstappen and Red Bull uh, compared to where we were three weeks ago in Bahrain? Well, what he'd done at the start was, again, that's another showcase of how good he is. You know, it was, it was fair. You know, he was bold, but it was fair. And Max is showing that hunger that we've always known that he had to win this championship. And he is, and Red Bull carry on going the way they are, he is going to push Lewis to the very end because there is no doubt in how talented he is. I must say, his race wasn't perfect. He had a little spin at the end of the safety car, which could have cost him dear. It was, it was a second or so behind that, you know, before being... Be like getting caught behind the huddle of the Ferraris and McLarens, etc. So he didn't have 100% the, the best race. And that is why, personally, I'm going to give driver of the day to Lando Norris. Mm. I think Lando Norris is one of the only drivers to, you know, be flawless in what was a chaotic race. But let's not take anything away from Max. Great performance, just the bounce back he needed. And, well, the championship is, you know, only two races in. But I think we're in for a really um, close championship. with The way that these two are performing... I can see this going a whole season. Absolutely. And, and I think Mercedes will feel a bit disappointed because Mercedes looked like they've made improvements to the car, mm-hmm. not necessarily brought new bits to it, but made improvements in terms of get more out of it uh, as we knew they probably would. And they probably fancied themselves in this race. Perhaps they didn't probably say it or as openly, but they certainly were a lot closer to Red Bull this weekend than they were at Bahrain. So I think that, even though Lewis managed to recover and get second place, they probably felt they could have got a bit more out of it, especially after qualifying yesterday. Lando Norris, Courtney, one more thing I will say on this. I, I don't think we sh- this is underselling it with Lando getting drive of the day. I think he absolutely deserved it. Max, a very close second, I think, in that regard. But the way Lando drove today was superb. And I would go on a limb and saying that despite the battle between Max and Lewis at the moment, Lando's probably been the best driver value for money so far. Mm-hmm. This is I know we're two races in, but the kid has done literally everything required and more. And the only two people that have beaten him this season are in considerably better cars, for lack of a better way of putting it. But fully agreed, mate. Fully agreed. But for the final point, of course, we're going to go into Portimao in the next race in a couple of weeks' time. This championship is going to have a lot of ups and downs. Um, are we seeing the hallmarks of a potentially classic championship battle between Verstappen and Hamilton? Um do you feel now that you feel more confident that Red Bull and Max Verstappen, after what we saw today in response to Bahrain, may actually have what it takes to take this championship all the way? I think they do, but only because of Max. You know, Christian Horner made a comment at the end of the race. You know, he reckons that Mercedes might could well have the upper hand in terms of pure base, uh, pace going into this season. But Max Verstappen's quality will keep the minute as long as it's close Max will take him to that level to compete with Lewis mm. so I think I think Mercedes do seem I don't know I, I said this in Bahrain seems that Mercedes are unlocking pace race after race session after session but at this very point given what given the arsenal that they have the combination of the car and the driver in Max it's certainly exciting and I think the neutral should be very excited for this season Absolutely. I'm really excited and I'm glad it went the way it did today because I think the last thing fans would have wanted to see is the race go as chaotic as it was and for Lewis and Mercedes to nick another one today when you probably feel that Red Bull really need to get that first one under their belt and then obviously we'll take it as we go. But so much more racing to do, so many more stories and I'll tell you what Courtney, we were treated to an absolute classic today 
as we hoped we would be following the race we had in Bahrain. So we're two down, 21 to go at the most. We obviously have to wait and see on the news on the Canadian Grand Prix and potentially some others in the American region as well. Incidentally, we've also had the announcement of the Miami Grand Prix which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, I do like the look of it. And I think in the 2022 cars, it's going to be good. And that's going to be on the calendar for at least 10 years from what we understand. So that's always a good thing. And I think F1 needed to tap into that US market a little bit more than they already are. And I think Miami is the perfect setup in order for them to do that. Um, just letting you know, guys, of course, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel. It really does help us enough. I, I cannot stress enough how much your support really means to us and how much it really helps us. So please, please keep continuing to do so as this will help this channel grow and we can put out more great content for you. Speaking of content, in this week, of course, we have got the short race review, the uh, Grand Prix in seconds. It's going to be 75 seconds because that was... Um, rounded up to the nearest second from Lewis Hamilton's pole time this weekend. So look out for that in the week. And of course, we have got the long-awaited return of the DNF1 Retro Podcast episode. The episode is going to be about the legendary rivalry between Alain Prost and Ayrton Senna, and we focus mainly on the most famous showdown of them all, the 1989 Japanese Grand Prix. Do not miss it. That episode is coming out on Friday on the DNF1 YouTube channel and all podcasting platforms as well. So if you are subscribed to us or follow us on there, make sure you don't miss that out. It's going to be pretty, pretty epic, if I do say so myself. All that's left to say, guys, is thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe, and we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care. See you soon. Podcast Network.